shame. I know little Robin and Clive are not, have not been well at all, not with COVID. You have to always do that caveat, but I saw him this morning. He looked terrible. <laughs> I can say that. He looked terrible, and he had to go home, but um, it's just a joy for Julie and I to be with you. Of course, most of you I know, there's one or two new faces to me, and of course, Spring Valley, it's good to have you. Then we also have a first-time guest. Uh, Mrs. Mahlangu is with us today. And we're so glad to have uh, Sister Trifine Mahlangu with us. And uh, what a joy to have uh, the wedding and the marriage. You know, my dad and I, we talked so many times. And we said this, I wonder what, who will be the first wedding at Faith Baptist? Because there have been many marriages where I'd married somebody, but we had never had a, an actual wedding ceremony. And uh, what a privilege for the first one to be. Stimbiso and Trifine, and that was just lovely to be here for that. And I wondered, you know, when I came back, I thought, now what will be changed? You know, and all the windows are open in the middle of winter, not all of them, but I thought, yeah, they changed it. No American opens the windows in the middle of winter time, but South Africans do. So we have our fresh air, and I see Spring Valley, they closed them, that's right. They must close, yeah, sure, I'm on that side. And uh, we were at Spring Valley last week, and when they were coming in, I was reminded, if we could teach white people to dance, we would be warmer, okay? Um, if we could move just a little bit. And I do anyways when I sing, but yo. Um, but it's just so lovely to be back home with you. And many of you we've, got, we've been able to see and spend some time already, but, uh, and some I think even still today, hopefully we can see some this afternoon. Let me just, before we get to our message, just give you just a word maybe of encouragement. Um, it was a privilege to pastor here from 2004 to 2019, uh, 2020 officially, though from the States. And um, we cannot ignore the fact that it has been a very difficult year, very difficult year, very difficult year and a half. And, and we mourn. We mourn the loss, um, the loss of life. You know, in the last year, year and a half, we have lost ones we loved. Even when we landed, uh, Sister Janice was in hospital texting, and now she is with the Lord. She is with the Lord. And, and, and others, many of my pastor friends, a uh, pastor friend of mine in the Strand, his sister passed. She was a nurse in the hospital, and she passed. Um, Pastor Miles, a family that hosted the church. The whole family passed away. And so we do not want to look forward forgetting the loss and the pain of the past. We also don't want to ignore or make light of the considerable confusion that has pressed on our minds for many months, asking questions of God, why? And if we were honest, many times we would ask God why and we would accuse him. You don't care, you don't see. But many times they were just the questions of a small child saying, God, why? How long? What will we do now? And so you are not alone in that. 
even in America too, though our, the boat that we were sailing in through COVID is different from your boat. We are all in the same storm, but navigating it differently. Much confusion. And many times have I asked God, why? This is not my plan. I think at least six times, Julie and I, were, I, I would plan and I would even tell the family, I think we can get back. <laughs> no, we can't. I'm reminded of 1 Peter. I got to preach through 1 Peter in 2010. And I will tell you, it was one of my favorite preaching series ever. I loved preaching through Joseph, but I loved the book of 1 Peter. It is still my favorite book. And in 2010, I preached through the book of 1 Peter here, and I called it Standing Strong When Your World is Crumbling. I think we need that again. <laughs> I need it again. And I got to preach through the whole book of 1 Peter in America. I preached through it in 20 minutes uh, recently. I did the whole book in 20 minutes. And 1 Peter begins writing. He says, I'm writing to you who are scattered. And do you know, COVID did scatter many. I think of Sister Ben and Bella now in Zambia, and I don't know that I will see their face again. And I'm sad. We are scattered. I baptized a family my last Sunday here, and they are now down in George. They're scattered. But sometimes in America, I live next door to the church, and still I feel scattered. It's not right. Masks are not right. <laughs> and yet the book of First Peter, he says at the end of it, after you have suffered a while, God will establish you, strengthen you, settle you. And he says, by God's grace, you will stand. And let me remind you, look around you. Look, look. We are, we're not standing, we're sitting, but we are still here. <laughs> We are still here. And it is different. And it will always be different. The world will never go back to what it was before COVID. Whatever the future is, it will be different than what we came from. And we must not keep looking back. We can remember, but we must say now, Lord, what is in front of us for, for me? And in Ephesians, I love what he says. So I preached one message. I preached to you, Peter. Now here's message two, Ephesians. Um, in Ephesians chapter five, he says these words. He says, you are the light in the Lord. You are light in the Lord. I know that because I have Christ, I have light. But they didn't feel like it. And so he tells them in verse 14, Awake, arise, and Christ will give you light. And for Miss Julie and me in America, I can see God's hand. I can see some things. In some areas of our life, it is light. I say, hey, but you have done that for me, God. And Lord, you have helped me here. But Aish, in some places of my life, it is still load shedding. <laughs> and I say, God, I cannot see. I don't know. And so let me challenge you that even though you are scattered, God can help you stand. Even though you have some light, 
and a lot of darkness. Awake, arise, follow God, and he will give light. He says, I will help you. And from Julie and me and the children, we are just thankful to be with you. We are encouraged to see your face, to know of your faithfulness, to see new faces, and we rejoice with you. Today I would like to preach to you and tell you a story about why I love the ministry. Why I love the ministry. Maybe you would say, Pastor David, that's easy. You love the ministry because your, your father is a minister. And I do love the ministry, and I do love that I was able to be in the ministry with my father. But that is not why I love the ministry. So, Pastor David, you love the ministry because your grandfather was a minister. Well, that's true. My grandfather was a minister. He was an architect and married my grandmother. And then God called him to the ministry, studied theology, went to Hawaii, planted a church that is still there today. Then he went to Missouri and planted a church that is still there today. There are two churches there in Missouri. And then he was killed at age 41 in an accident on the way to preach. I never met him. I love the ministry. I, I have been blessed to have a father and a grandfather. But also my father-in-law is in the ministry. You say, oh, you love the ministry. It's family business. <laughs> and I have been privileged, and it's a blessing to share that in the ministry. But that's not why I love the ministry. Let's read in 1 Corinthians 3. I'd like to begin at verse 5. We will come back to verse 1 to 4, and we will read or touch on the verses 12 to 17. But let's just read verse 5 to 9. And verse 9 is going to be the main verse for the four reasons why I love the ministry. And let's begin reading in verse 5. I'm reading from the New King James. It says, Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos but ministers? Ministers. There's the word ministry, ministers. In the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul uses the word ministry many times. And he, you could almost title 2 Corinthians with the book, Why I Love the Ministry. And he talks about the ministry a lot. Here he uses the word ministry to speak of Paul and Apollos. You know, the South African government understands the word ministry better than most of us. When I registered with SARS, we were first in the country early on, and I registered with SARS. And they asked me, the lady asked me, and it struck me so funny as an American just landing. She said, are you a minister of the state or a minister of religion? The Bible uses the word ministry that way. In Romans chapter 13, it uses the word ministry and it talks about government officials. And the word is deacon. A government official is a deacon of the state. They are a servant. They are a minister. The Bible uses it of government officials and those who serve in the church. It also uses it of women and of men. Phoebe is called a deacon or deaconess or a servant of the church in Romans chapter 16. It's used of men in the, in the Bible that they are ministers. It's used of pastors. They are ministers. It's used officially of deacons in the office of a deacon as ministers. Why do I love the ministry? 
Paul says we are ministers through whom ye believed as the Lord gave to each one. He says, I planted, verse 6, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Now here's the verse. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, and the verse I mentioned to the children, you are God's building. Let's pray, and I'd like to share with you four ways, four reasons that I love the ministry. Father, we ask for your help today. We thank you for your faithfulness to Faith Baptist Church through incredible difficulty, through very real loss, through... Uh, being scattered for many different reasons. But God, we are still here today. We are here right now in this group of people. This exact group of people will never again be assembled. It will be a different group. But we are here now, and we are ready to listen to your word. Speak to us, O God, with your word and your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Why do I love the ministry? You know, somebody who becomes a minister, a pastor, fundisi, a duomini, the reverend, the bishop, you know, they're a bit odd. They're a bit weird. <laughs> who in third grade for their class project, when the teacher asks, what do you want to be when you grow up, writes duomini? Who in third grade says fundisi? Who says I want to be a pastor? Nobody. When somebody becomes a pastor, a, a teacher, a church leader, many times we say there might be a calling on their life. They are, there's something God, we would see it, and usually the church would confirm it. Yes, we see this one is going to help lead the church. And they're a bit odd. Who wants to make it their job to go to church? Church is boring enough. So you want to be a minister? There's a lot of suspicion about ministers sometimes. And unfortunately, a few have given the larger maybe a bad name. Maybe not so much a few. <laughs> but when we think about ministers, they're often odd. They're often different. They're often, you know, well, we want to have a bride, but now the, the pastor's coming? Oof, that's not going to be much fun. <laughs> We have a party, the past, ooh. We don't know what to do with the minister. So usually the ministry is done by something, it's something that is done by someone else. I can't tell you how many times I've been graciously hosted in a home. English, Afrikaans, African, so many times. I remember when Sister Trifine came to our home, I think she was around matric. And she brought me chocolates. It's like, hey, I like this. I've been to where Afrikaans people have come to my home. We had just got to South Africa the first year. And a family, they've moved to Cape Town. They live just across the street here. And they brought roses to my home. I said, oh, that doesn't happen in America. 
and the hospitality that is afforded a minister in South Africa by every culture has amazed Julie and I. We get treated specially. People like us. They talk to us. They're uncomfortable with us, but hey, you know, they're nice. So that the ministry is done by this, this person over here. Somebody who's a bit odd, a bit different. We respect you. We don't know what to do with you. The ministry. We think about the ministry, and here he uses the word specifically of Paul and Apollos. So these are formalized, the ministers. Sometimes it's compartmentalized. It's something we do on Sunday, then the rest of the week we can live like the devil. Sometimes it's systematized. We do it one, two, three, finish the clock. Why do I love the ministry? Four reasons this morning from 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 9. First of all, because in the ministry, we get to build something. Now, I like to build. When I turned five, Pastor Roger built me a toolbox and bought me a man's hammer and a man's saw. I've always loved to build. I like to build things that are new to me that I've never built before, whether learning welding in South Africa or brick laying. You know, I'm an American. We do it ourselves. We got to South Africa, I thought, I'll lay my own bricks. I didn't know that I ordered three different kinds of sand to mix in my daga, and so my bri that I built, that Monday, the bricks looked like that, and the next Monday, the daga was a different color, and the next Monday, it was different, and so I planted a vine to cover it all up. But my bry stood strong. I like to build. In this chapter, he's talking about building. Notice he mentions this word over and over. He says, we are God's workers. And he's not talking to preachers. He's not talking to seminarian students. He's talking to the church. And he says, we are God's workers. You know why I love the ministry? Because we get to build something. I like building. And notice in verse 12, he talks about building. In verse 10, he says, we build, we build. In verse 12, we build. In verse 14, we build. There's a house they've probably retiled by now. But number 17, Rovigo Villas on Yvonne Street in Del Juder 4, Emilatlani. I used to take Mondays off, worked all day Saturday, and every Monday I also mixed say, how's he going to get it wrong now? I mixed the, the, the daga, too much water, too little water. And you don't want to walk barefoot in that house of 17 Roviga Villas because the, one Monday the tiles are low and the next Monday the tiles are high. And yo, it hurts on bare feet. I love to build. But he's, and we can glory in the building. We have a lovely building here. And I remember most of the things that happened in this building. I remember when Pastor Stimbiso and I were on the roof and the, the crane, they gave us a discount, only a thousand rand an hour. And they brought the steeple up and we installed it. That was fun. But you know why I love the ministry? Because for 16 years, we got to build with you. And I have been in most of your homes. And with most of us, we have eaten together, even last Sunday. 
Because when we talk about the buildings, he says, you are God's building. And the reason I love the ministry is because we get to build. And when I go back to America, I don't I show them a picture of the sign or something, but I tell them about you. I say, let me tell you this story about this one. Let me tell you the story about this one. You are my CV. Let me tell you. These are my credentials. This one, and this one, and this one, and this one. That's why I love the ministry. Do you love the ministry? Is there somebody in this room, in this city, is there someone in heaven because you built? Because you built. You brought them to church. You told them about Jesus. You gave them a gospel tract. You picked that child up for 20 years and said, come with me to church, and now they are pastoring somewhere. My friends, I love the ministry because we build with people. Do you love the ministry? You see, the ministry, church, the church life, the ministry of the gospel is about building people. He says, you are God's building. It's about building people that we want to see men and women come to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, that they know God, they live for God, and they, they go to God. Master Clive's not well this morning, but I remember the day he shared with me at our home. It was a Christmas function. The church was over at our house. And uh, some of you remember how Pastor Clive used to look. Do you remember? He always had old jeans with holes in them. And he always wore, wore these gaming T-shirts like Mario Brothers. And they were always one size too small. You remember, remember Pastor Clive? He always had a... He got baptized. I think one of you did in a Superman shirt or something like that. I mean, that's just Clive. And his hair is all, you know, he's just like, yeah. And he comes to me and he says... Pastor David, I don't want to be a journalist for the Whitbank News anymore. And I thought, fine, go get a job. <laughs> he says, I see, so, these were his exact words, I see so many people who don't know God. I want to help people know God. I thought, that is a call to ministry. And you've had a few ministers here, and we're all very different. My dad and I are a bit alike. He takes after me, but most of us are quite different. And so you've seen it in a formal way. But my friend, I love the ministry because I get to invest in building people. Do you love the ministry? And we can hammer in some nails, and we need to do that. And we can set up tea and coffee, and we need to do that. But ministry is when I intentionally reach into somebody else's life for the cause of Christ. And maybe you don't know how to share the gospel. You say, hey, come to church with me, or I'll pick you up. But the idea is, I want you to know God. I love the ministry because we get to build people. But not only... Uh, do we get to build? It's built by people. It's not just the pastor. Amen. 
So while I can point to some of you and say, yes, 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 in this morning's earlier service, as far as I know, not a single person in the morning service did I actually lead to Christ. None of them. As far as I know, we had a smaller crowd, about 14 this morning. As far as I know, not one of them did I even invite to church. Somebody else did. Somebody else did. Somebody else did. So I love the ministry because we get to build. We get to build people, and people get to build people. Notice he says in verse 9 to 15, just look at some of these phrases. He says we are workers. And he says not only is Paul and Apollos ministers, but now he says he builds, another builds. Verse 12, if anyone builds. Again in verse 14, if anyone builds. Again in verse 15, if anyone builds. You know what? You may not be called to the ministry, but my friend, you are called to be a minister. I love the ministry because we get to build people. Secondly, I love the ministry because we all get to build. We all get to build. It's not just Paul and Apollos. Look at what he says in verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me. And Paul, he says, hey, I am, a mas I am the master builder. I am the one who started this church. And so maybe compared to somebody else, you may or may not be a master builder. That's fine. I, I like to build furniture. Compared to some, I'm a master builder. Compared to some others, I'm just playing around. <laughs> but notice how he finishes the verse. But let each one, let each one, let each one take heed how he builds on it. The Bible assumes, Scripture assumes, if you know Jesus, then you're going to help build the church. That's what the Bible assumes. If you know Jesus, then God has something for you to do. You may not be a master builder. You may never lead many to Christ. I heard a statistic when I was in America that only 5% of believers will actually lead another person to Christ. I said, that's fine. If the rest of you all will just bring him, we'll win him. <laughs> that's fine. Some are comfortable with that. Then the others, what can you do? Bring, invite, do something. But notice he says, each one must build. Notice how he, 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 can, he carries this out further. Uh, we all build. We all build on the same foundation. And he says in verse 11, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. This church was started in 1994 on purpose in English in a largely Afrikaans town for the reason my dad and mom had a burden for Whitbank where everyone was welcome. 1994 was not the best year maybe to start a multicultural church. It was a little interesting time. Some of you won't know this, but this church got started over three times. We're pretty much folded and started again. Folded and started again. It's had a rough, it had a rough beginning. It was all white. And then it was all black. 
And then we kind of figured it out maybe and God used some different people to bring some stability. And it's, it's ebbed and flowed, but the purpose for the English was that anybody is welcome. But we don't build on a cultural idea or ideal. We didn't want this. It wasn't started that way because it was just the new South Africa. Uh, the churches everywhere were, were needing to go that way. And what an opportunity. Now we can meet together. Then let's do that intentionally. But it was built on Christ. And when we chose the missional statement for this church, we, we did because of Philippians 1.27, that we are together for the gospel. That the reason we can learn to, to get along with one another is because Jesus Christ died for my sins and he died for your sins and your sins and your sins. That in Christ, in Revelation, it says all the nations, all the ethnicities will praise God together. God is not a white man or a blue man or a green man. God is a spirit, and he says, I am calling the peoples of this earth to me. We build on the same foundation. That's why I love the ministry, because each one gets to build. We start with Christ, and we go from there. So that, you know what, your church, like Spring Valley, I loved being there last week. What a privilege. What a, it's going to look a little different. And then this minister is going to be a little different. And, and, and churches have their strengths and weaknesses and their odd shapes. You know why? Because it's a body. <laughs> and uh, some of us just look a little more odd than others. A suit coat covers up a lot of things. <laughs> of course we're different. But I love the ministry because we get to build, because we all get to build. Number three, I love the ministry because we all get to build together. Notice what he says again in verse 9. Not only does he say we are workers, he says we are workers, but he says we are fellow workers. We are laborers together. Um, I don't normally like to highlight the Greek, but it's very important here because the two words fellow workers, they are one word and they are the English word synergy. The Greek word here is synergy. Synergy is you got something over here. This is not scientific. Don't, don't put this on your exam paper, okay? You've got something over here, something over here, and together they, they kind of provide more. So like one plus one is three. Don't put that on your exam paper. But synergy, it, it works together. This one is a catalyst for that, and, and then it does this and, and this, and that's the idea here. He says, we are laborers together with God. We, we are fellow workers. We work together and we accomplish more together than we could alone. Your Christian life is not you and God on the golf course or the dam or the lake or by the TV. You need the body of Christ. It is a church. We have to assemble we are commanded to assemble. We go to great lengths to be able to assemble and still try to comply. But we must assemble. We must be together. We need one another. You say, well, it's just a private affair. Well, then you are immature and unspiritual. It's supposed to be a collective. And I am sinning if I willingly abstain or pull away. We build together. 
Notice he says, we don't build like men. Now, what does he mean by that in verse 3 when he says you are unspiritual if you build like men? Well, the context of verse 1 to 4, I don't think is a direct, a good direct application to faith. The church at Corinth was very, very unspiritual, incredibly racist. Uh, they segregated upon income. Um, they had open immorality in the church where members were sleeping with one another. I mean, they had, a, so they, they had some huge problems, and to the best of my knowledge, those problems aren't happening here. But he says in verse 1, um, I'm writing to you because you are spiritually immature. You are carnal. You're fleshly. You're just living like men. You're just doing whatever you want to do. And he applies it two ways here. He says you are spiritually immature, number one, if you won't listen to the word of God. That has never been a problem to my knowledge here or at Spring Valley. You have hungered for the word of God. But he says you are spiritually immature if you don't like to listen to the word of God. And secondly, you're spiritually immature if you, if you play favorites. Where I'm, I like this one, I like that one. Of course you like some better than the others. We all have that. But when I actually play favoritism and I now have a conscious choice where I will listen to one person and won't listen to the other, when I actually sow discord in the church and we pretend like the church is made up of sport teams, well, I'm a fan of this ministry and I like that ministry, and we actually become fanboys and fan clubs to the detriment of the church, he says we are spiritually immature. You see, I love the ministry because we all get to build together. Where we need one another. Where he even uses the word, the analogy that we build upon each other. I mean, think about it. What I got handed, when I came to ministry, Pastor Roger had done the hard work of, of getting people together and a building together, and, and I got, to, got my start. Wow. I got to build upon his work. I traveled to Cape Town and 50 people to get to, together for, for a conference. And I'm not, I'm not kidding. Half of those people came because of my father. <laughs> they don't know who I am, but oh, you're a McCrum? Yeah, we'll come. Hey, man, I'm going to keep using that name all the time. What a privilege that if you can build something and somebody else can come and they have an easier way. Great. Your children should have an easier time in life financially because of you, spiritually because of you, knowing how to be a mother and father because of you. Of course, they should build upon you. And it's the same way in the church. We should leave behind something that it makes it easier for the next to do. Why do I love the ministry? Because we build together. We don't build like men, choosing favorites and just doing what we want. And also, we don't build alone. When he says that Apollos is nothing or I am nothing, he's not saying you are worthless. He's saying God adds to what we have done. So that in verse 8, he says, Now he who plants and he who waters are one. Instead of saying, well, I do this in the church and it's better than yours. No, we are both building and we are both building together. I love the ministry, and I love the ministry, lastly, because we get to build together with God. 
You know, in this text, in this passage, verse 1 to 17, he uses the word build over and over and over again. And he does apply it this way. Make sure you're doing something for God's church. And he talks about building. Don't, don't use, you know, wood, hay, and stubble. That's what the Americans build with. <laughs> uh, we build our houses out of wood, you know. Uh, you know, at least use bricks if you don't have gold, silver, and precious stones, and he uses those analogies. But he's saying, build well. But he's not talking about this. He's talking about this. And so he places enormous import upon you and me that we must build. You know what? God's church depends on us. That sounds very arrogant. And yet he says that. You must build. But don't forget that Jesus also said, Jesus said, I will build. I will build. And do you know what? God's faithfulness in building his church and growing his church, I, I get to see more of that maybe on some level than you do because I, I have the privilege of traveling to Cape Town and seeing how this church has helped other churches. I got to see Pastor Alfonso, who leads the Pakistan Baptista Babel Kak, that this church helped pay for a missionary to go start that church about 15 years ago. And that church has been turned over and trained. And now Alfonso is training other men for ministry. You'll never meet Alfonso, maybe. I met him last week. And he is pastoring, and there's a church there because a faith Baptist church. I got to see Pastor Miles. I got to hear Pastor Mark Bares. I got to see Philip. I got to see. I got to see. And I tell you, this church has built, and it has built well, and it has an impact far greater than Emelach Lenny. I'm with a pastor in America. The churches I visit in America, our home church is quite large. It is about 800 people. Most of the churches I'm in in America are about this size. In fact, I was with one church, and I'm showing the pictures of faith, and he painted, He said, your church is bigger than our church. I said, yeah, it is. And they've done a great job in Sala. And there's Spring Valley. And Pastor Jan is, is ready to go. And Pastor Stephen Musler is studying somewhere. And, and this guy's studying down in Georgia. This one's doing... This church has had a good history and it has a good track record of building. But it's also got a good testimony that God has built with this church. And God is building with this church. And do not measure it by the size of whether it's a good year or a bad year because the church is bigger than a year or a decade. Jesus Christ said, I am building my church. And he said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so when I go down to Cape Town, and now there are 50, and there are 50 people gathered in a room, and I'm reminded that there's 20, 30 churches. I went to Cape Town as a seven-year-old boy, and there was one church. You see, Christ builds his church. Think bigger. See further than COVID. 
We get to build. Why do I love the ministry? Because I see things after a year or five years, and I can see, wow, look at what God has done. Look at what God has done. I remember Spring Valley when you were meeting under a tree. I remember the day when a church member told me he found out you were meeting under a tree and said, we must build a building. And I was there Sunday. And, and you know, on the back wall at Spring Valley are the posters that used to hang in our building here. Oh, it encouraged my heart. That it's bigger. This church, God has used it. Jesus said, I will build my church. I love the ministry because we build together with God. You know what he says in verse 9 to 11? Not only does he say, we are God's building, but he uses a different word three times in verse 16 and 17. And that is the word temple. It's a different word. They didn't have church buildings in the New Testament. They met in the courtyard. They met under trees. They met in people's homes. But in verse 16 and 17, three times he says, you are God's temple. It's a different word, and he's talking about a different thing. And when he says the word temple in verse 16 and twice in verse 17, he's talking about the Old Testament temple where the presence of God would actually fill the temple. And now he is saying, God's spirit lives in you. So he says the church is like God's building. And he's taking a physical analogy. But when he says in verse 16 and 17 that God is in you, then he uses the word temple because he's talking about God's spirit actually living inside you. And I love, I love the ministry because we get to build together with God that God says, I will do something with your life. I will build a church. But I also will do something in your life. I will make you like me. And you'll become holy. You'll become the priests of God. You'll become my servants and my ministers. And he's not talking about the man who stands up here. He's saying, we are the ministers of God. And I love the ministry. I wonder this morning, do you love the ministry? Do you love the ministry? For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's building. You know, I, I love building. <laughs> and I could take you in every room. I could tell you stories of people who've passed on and are in heaven, of Uncle Roy Hay who died when he was 91 or 92, and in his 80s, stood on a ladder and painted all of these windows. I was here. I remember when Stambiso and Archie were 16, and we got a truckload of gravel, and we spread it in the garden. We spread it on that driveway. I, I, we spread that. We did that. I can tell you. I can tell you about Nicholas Abraham and I. We pulled every speaker cable in this roof. <laughs> I can tell you about that. I can tell you the youth that helped pour the concrete for that basketball pack. 
I can tell you about digging holes for the posts, and Dr. Kevin can dig a hole <laughs> for that jungle gym. And he dug many of those holes. I can tell you. I can tell you. But when I go to America, I do not tell them those stories. I tell them about you. I love the ministry. And the future of faith, the future of Spring Valley will depend on its faithful ministers. It will depend on its faithful ministers. And I am so thankful. Clive was not ready when I left. But God said this is what's going to happen. And he has been faithful here. And the future of this church will not depend upon him. And the future of Spring Valley will not depend on Pastor Stendhal's. But it will depend on us. We, we are God's fellow workers. I love the ministry. Oh, my friend, do you love the ministry? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for what you have done with us, in us, through us. We love the ministry. Father, I pray you would give your people a hunger to minister in the lives of other people for eternity. We pray in Jesus' name.